I want to take a pastoral privilege as we begin this morning. I've been thinking a lot about your former pastor, uh, Reverend Jim Genesee. Uh, he'll receive his doctorate in this room this coming Saturday from Wesley Biblical Seminary. So uh, we celebrate with him, uh, be, be, uh, be reaching out to him however you can to celebrate that with him. I've also been thinking about him because we've got a little problem here. He is known for what sermon? Waffle House Sermon. Everybody knows the Waffle House Sermon. I've not heard the Waffle House Sermon, but I've heard a lot about the Waffle House, and I've also eaten a lot of Waffle House with Jim Genesee. I'm a little bit nervous. I have tried to be faithful uh, to share the scriptures with you all, and two weeks ago I made a mistake, and I mentioned uh, an embarrassing moment uh, from my teenage years where I was tricked into going to an air supply concert. That's all I'm hearing about, and I cannot be known as the air supply guy, all right? So, I was going to do a Holy Spirit Pentecost sermon series. We are now, my next series will be Ultimate Fighting, Engine Repair, and Alligator Wrestling, all right? I'm, I'm manly. All right, fine. Well, let's do that. But y'all celebrate with Jim. Y'all celebrate uh, with him. We're going back to our current series, The Witnesses of the Resurrection. What do we see in these moments? Several commentaries have pointed out, uh, uh, even just this week, uh, one Wesleyan theologian said that no aspects of Jesus' ministry was more minutely recorded than his resurrection. There is so much here for us. And all these different appearances, what we can learn through what Jesus said and did, but also through the res- those people, how they responded to Jesus. So what do we need to see about Jesus? What do we see in their responses that need to be our responses? Or what, what doesn't need to be our responses? There is so much here. But also, and we've not talked about this yet, as you go through these appearances, it's a good question to ask, what turned the light on for them? Now last week, nothing turn the light on. There's some that doubted. Uh, But as we went through Mary's story, Mary Magdalene, just hearing her name and the light was turned on. In John's gospel, one of the disciples runs to the tomb and just by seeing the tomb and how it was set, the light comes on. What's, what's that here? And, and, and that's part of, as we go through this, just keep your Bibles open, your, your phone open. As we go through these verses, all of these things should have turned the light on for them, but it doesn't. So let's walk through this together. There's so much here. Just his words. Verse 3, if you're a note taker, I'm going to give you three things that should have turned the light on. One, one was his words. His words to them were, peace be with you. Just as Mary heard her name and the light came on, that should have been enough. How many times has he had said to them when he greets them, do not be afraid or my peace be with you. It's, he's going to say the same thing at, at Thomas with his appearance to Thomas later in the gospel of John. It's just like him to talk about peace or even Luke to talk about peace. There, no other New Testament author uses the word more than, than Luke. It's everywhere, this word peace, and yet that doesn't cause the light to come on. What does Scripture say here? It says they're startled. They're frightened. These, his words should have opened their hearts to the reality of the resurrection. They should have known by, their, by his words. I can tell you right now, I knew it was Vicky last night. I just heard her voice. I knew it was Vicky. My wife got a Marco Polo 
from two of our former youth counselors uh, that served with us in Batesville for six and a half years. We were there doing student ministry. And uh, the second I heard Vicki's voice, I knew it was her. And the reason I knew it was her was because she was speaking Portuguese. They were speaking Portuguese. She was speaking uh, Portuguese to Sarah in this Marco Polo video, and Sarah wanted me to see it. Uh, But it reminded me back to our last night there at Batesville. They had a celebration for us. Not only did the students come, but the whole church came out. And that night, Vicky had gotten up, not a Portuguese speaker, but apparently had spent a long season learning these paragraphs that she wanted to say to Sarah. And so as a thank you, having done, they were both youth counselors in youth ministry, she got up in front of the whole church and just gave two eloquent, uh, two paragraphs to Sarah about what Sarah meant to her. And I mean, there were some tears in the place, right, that she would do that. Uh, What they didn't know, and I didn't want to ruin it for anybody, is she was making it all up. Uh, She got up in front of Sarah. This is something I know only you will understand. Through the bank, go to phone, sing to buy, and everybody's like, wow, she learned Perk. Now she's just making it up. So the second I heard it on Marco Polo, I heard, don't buy. It's like, that's not a Portuguese. It's Vicky. I knew it was Vicky just by her words because she's a liar. So that's, that's that's how I knew that. Boy, that's a convicting word to me. Because this, and you know where we're going with this series. We're not just looking at the witnesses of the resurrection. He's going to call them that. You are my witnesses. But, but you know where we're going with this series. That's, that's who we are, church. And I'm wondering when I say a word, does that, does, that, does that tell others, oh, he knows the resurrected Christ? That the word choice the way I say my words, the kind of words. Do they have the the patience, the wisdom, the kindness, the truth of Jesus? So often it's our words that help people remember who we are. And sadly, or wonderfully, either way, who we follow. Uh, His words should have been enough. Peace be with you. Oh, that's just like Jesus. This is the Christ. And they miss it. But if you and I are witnesses to the one who is the resurrection and the life, our words have to draw attention to him. The words don't make the light come on. The second thing that doesn't make the light come on is his power. Verse 38, he knows that they are still doubting. And so what does Jesus do? It's just what he has done with his enemies. It's what he's done with his disciples. He puts his power on display. Yeah, maybe they made some gestures. Maybe Jesus could read the room. But this certainly seems like it's more that he is putting his power on display to know, as he was in the Gospel of Mark, he reasoned into our hearts what they're really thinking about that that it is through supernatural revelation jesus the divine son of god knows exactly what's going on in the heart from david king david on it's all about the heart and jesus puts his power in display i know what's going on and he just steps into it you can touch me i know i know you're doubting in your heart even now you're thinking i'm some kind of spirit some kind of ghost you can touch me even goes to eating we'll talk about that in just a minute and 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 it it should have been a power display here is the power of god just the power we're not even going to talk about how in the world did he get in the room how did he appear to them that should have been enough but then also it's just like him It's just like him to know what's going on when we're unsettled in our hearts. It's just like him to know what's going on. And again, the question comes to us, when people look at how we live, can can they see the power of God 
on display. Jesus puts his power on display in his appearance, but also, again, knowing their hearts. And then the third thing that should have woke them up, not just his word, not just his power, but it's his glorified body in their presence. When he invites them, you can touch my hands and my feet. And when that's not enough, he says, do you have something to eat? And he ate in front of them. The body alone should have been to them witness enough that Jesus has returned. He says to them, a spirit does not have flesh. You can touch me watch me eat. This should have screamed so much to them theologically. How could he be in flesh? We saw him die. He said he was dying for sins, and now he's here. And what that should have done would have sparked in them this great hope, this great joy that the sacrifice of God, normally when it's put on the altar, it gets burnt up. But for him to be here in the flesh means it's done. The atoning work of Jesus is done. The sacrifice has been accepted. The resurrection validates that all that Christ suffered and did for us has been received by the Father, and it's enough for the atonement of our sins. His body, here I am. You can feel me. You can touch me. His, his, he, they're in a culture, a Greco-Roman culture that says this stuff, this flesh means nothing. So do whatever you want with it. All that matters is mind. All that matters really is, is soul. Flesh means nothing. Later, the Gnostics are going to say of Jesus, you know what? He was Casper the ghost. He was this spirit. Again, flesh doesn't matter. Jesus appears to them and says, touch me, watch me eat. Everything in this flesh matters. I've redeemed it. Not just for now, but for all eternity. It should have been enough and the way that you and I live our lives in this gift of both soul and body the way we live gives glory to him that yes I know the one who's the resurrection because as he's redeemed his body and lived perfectly through that he's gifting that kind of life to me and so when they look at my life he must know the resurrection because that wasn't him before Jesus the word should have been enough the word should have been enough uh, uh, his his power should enough, and, and also just that, that beautiful reminder, his coming to us in the flesh, and they just saw it. Some of y'all were here Wednesday night, Dr. Cockle was sharing just kind of a, just a race through the, through the scriptures, the story, the, the overarching arc of the, of the Bible, and, the, and God's redeeming of his people. But one of the things he reminded us of, and uh, in some traditions, when the gospel is read, that they'll take a cross, somebody in some traditions, they'll bring the cross and take it down to the, Chris, I'm a mess with you here. They'll bring the cross down, but then they'll bring the gospel down. And they'll come to the middle of the room. I'm not going to make y'all stand, but they'd make everybody stand and you have to turn to the gospel out of reverence and respect to the gospel. But it's also a reminder to us, he came down to us. He got in the middle of us. Uh, It's the the great truth of the incarnation of God. He loved us so much that he came down to where we are. He assumed our flesh. And here's the craziness. He still does. The Son of God, glorified body, yes. Maybe that's partly why they can't put it all together. Um, But he still does. And we'll talk more about that in, in coming weeks. So what is it? What turns the light on for these disciples. Now it's always going to have to be God and it is God. It's Jesus Christ, but what does he do? What is it that helps them understand who he 
is verse 45. This is when the light comes on. It's Jesus opening the word of God to them. That's always central. For our understanding and for our living, it's got to be God-initiated. But it's just like God, as as we heard uh, beautifully sung this morning, telling us, I told you these things would happen, and they have. He's he's pointing back to not only his words, uh, but also to Scripture. They're calling him a ghost or a spirit. Even after all these invitations, what opens their eyes, verse 45, their minds, it's the word. Verse 44, these are my words. And it, and it fits everything that's been said. And I love how it just kind of, he pulls together. And he did this with the, the law and the prophets, with, the, with those two on the road to Emmaus. Here he does it with the three sections of their Old Testament, how they put it together. We put together the 39 books of the Old Testament a little differently. They put together the Torah, the first five books of the Bible. And I just happened to see this this week. I was just watching a Dr. Oswald video on 1st, 2nd Kings. So that's, you can go back and search that from the Francis Asbury Society if you want more, more on that. But then the section section of the Old Testament is the prophets. So who would be in the prophets, right? We know who would be in the prophets. Joshua, Judges. That's actually how they did it. The fulfillment of God's word through what he said he would do. And so Joshua and the judges are actually in their prophets. And then in the second, the third part of the, right, uh, the, the book of the Old Testament, the way they collected those books was called the writings. So you would think, okay, Psalms, the, the Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, First Chronicles, Daniel. Yeah, so that's another study as to why they put it together that way. But these three groupings. I'm in every part of that. The law, the prophets, the writings, and Jesus opens their eyes by going through the word, and that's when the light comes on. It's always got to be God-initiated, because as we sang in our first hymn this morning, our hearts are darkened, and it's always going to take the spirit, as well as the witness of the word, to wake up our hearts to the things of God. We'll talk more about that at Pentecost. But here we see the need for Scripture to help us see what's right before us, and we can be blind to that. If you remember, go back to verse 8 in this chapter. The women come and talk about, we've seen the resurrected Lord. And what was their response to it? There's two couple of words you can see in your translations. It's nonsense or it's idle talk, and we're not believing a word of it. And now they see him. They're seeing him. They're hearing him. They're able to touch him. And their very physical senses are betraying them because they're still saying it's a ghost. They're startled. They're struggling. It's right in front of them. And it takes the word before they can truly see that this has always been God's plan and that he is the resurrection. Listen, there are going to be times in our lives when things are going to see, and this is, ter- this is hard to say, but we're going to read the scriptures and things are going to seem like nonsense to us. How can this be? How can that play out in my life? How can he call me to that? How can that truly fit together? And it's going to have to be you and I searching the scriptures because they were dead wrong. Jesus was in front of them, and they were dead wrong in what they thought resurrection could be, 
their notions of God, whatever it may be, their senses betrayed them. These ones who are risk-taking, these ones who are friends of Jesus, these friends who have not only heard of, of Jesus three times saying he would raise from the dead, but actually watched three resurrections, and they can't put it together. It's got to be the Word of God to say who we are, to say what our need is, and to say what we are to be about, and to say who Jesus is. If we trust ourselves, we're in trouble. Their very senses betrayed them. You've been there. You've done it. You've looked in the mirror at home and said, you know what, this, this looks pretty good. And then a friend or spouse would say, man, I wouldn't even wear that on a weekend night at Walmart. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> our eyes, our touch, our best guess, a gut feeling can all betray us. And so you and I, we need to put every aspect of our lives. This is how I do friendship. This is how I do family. This is how I do work. No, this is how Scripture says I do family. This is how Scripture says I do friendship. This is how Scripture says I do work. This is how Scripture says I do serving. This is how Scripture says I... You just got to put it all up against the Word. Because even as we are made in the image of God, we're bent and we're still broken. Even though he's gifted us with intuition and minds and friendships and counsel, it's got to be his word. They had the resurrection and life in front of them. They're startled. They're frightened. They can't put it together. He's got to be spirit. Jesus says, let's look at the law. Let's look at the writings. Let's look at the prophets. This is who I am. And moments later, they're ready to go. The light comes on. Go. You're going to be my witnesses. How is it? You and I need to, to make sure that that's always before us. Listen, I, I wonder in Luke in some ways, you think, okay, this is a Gentile author. I get it why Matthew just keeps every other verse is Old Testament. Every, I mean, that huge genealogy, just to start, he's always pointing back to the promises. He's always pointing back to the Word. But here's a Gentile author, right? Not grown up in the Word, and yet what you find routinely in, in Luke is this here and elsewhere, he's pointing back, whether it's road to Emmaus, where Jesus opens up the law, Moses and the prophets are here when he opens up those three sections. It's the word. What does the word say? And that's when the light comes on. What about you this morning? As we see their response, where, where are we in that? Yes, I think it's verse 48, you were called to be my witnesses. We're the witnesses to the resurrection. As you and I take an honest look at our lives, how is it our words? His, his words weren't enough for them. I hope my words and your words will be enough to point to the fact that you and I know the resurrected Christ. Where are we seeing the power of God put on display that it's, it's just going to confront people? That's not who he or she used to be. Something's going on. How is it you're just, I love Jesus' vulnerability and, and availability to his disciples. Just touch me. I'll eat right in front of you. That, that beauty of his patience, how is, how is that going to draw people to the one who is the resurrection? But as you and I go about and think through how we do those things, it's always got to be found here. He was right before them, and they couldn't put it together. Here is how we put together 
life. You've heard preachers always say that. You show me somebody with a torn up old Bible and I'll show you somebody with a put together life. Uh, His word to tell us who we are, to tell us who he is. Let's pray about that. Father, we thank you for this resurrection account and what we see of Jesus, his, his goodness to those disciples, his care for his disciples, as well as his truth to his disciples. Father, that's our prayer, that we would respond, uh, that his words might be our words, that we would put his power on display in our life. We would put his care and vulnerability and availability uh, on display with others. But Father, if there, are, there are things in our lives that need to be held up to us that we're just not seeing. Whether it's how we witness, how we serve, how we work, how we play, how we do relationships. Father, help us to see by your spirit and by your word, so that we would bring honor to the one who is the resurrection and the life. It is in the name of Jesus that we pray this prayer. Amen.